0: I'm Pastor Brian Olberg, and I also want to welcome you to this worship service. Thank you so much for joining us. This week, we have all been watching the <clears throat> reports of people who have been tragically impacted by the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, Detroit in Michigan <clears throat> has now become Uh, what they call a hot spot and as of this morning the police chief there is infected 39 other officers several hundred are quarantined and as you've been watching the news earlier this week a police captain one of our heroic first responders has died because of the virus Uh, a 911 uh, police dispatcher at 38 years of age with respiratory problems, contracted the virus, and has passed away. And then probably one of the most heart-rending stories we've seen coming out of Detroit is the mother of four children who had asthma, And she also became infected and eventually became so sick that she couldn't get enough oxygen. And despite the valiant efforts of the hospital, she succumbed to the disease at 47 years of age. And the pain and grief of the family members is enormous. The only word that describes what those four children are experiencing is that they are devastated. And for us, what is, for most of us, uh, a present concern for these families has become a tragic reality. One of the things that we know from God's Word is that God has not promised to spare His children from tragedy. And all of us know that we are vulnerable like anyone else is. But there is a great difference that we as believers have. And that difference is we have a foundation to stand on that we know keeps us secure and gives us hope in the time of tragedy. This morning, I want to bring a message entitled, Living by Faith, When Tragedy Strikes. And if you happen to have a Bible nearby, you may want to turn with me to James chapter 1, and I want to look at verses 9 through 11, because there, James shares with us some wonderful truths that are anchors for our faith that are a foundation for us to stand on, that enable us to live by faith no matter what comes our way. And the first truth that James shares with us is really a wonderful one that comforts our hearts, and that is, as believers, we are better prepared for tragedy. Just think about that for a moment, because we know the Lord and have his promises. When tragedy comes our way, we are much better prepared to meet it. Listen to what James says in verse 9. He says, Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. When James addresses the lowly brother, he's talking about early Christians who were poor, undistinguished, They were low in position, power, and esteem. They were people who were often disadvantaged and socially insignificant. We know from verse 1 that James was largely writing to Jewish Christians. And I think all of us know what could happen in the first century if a Jewish person was saved. They were largely disowned by their family and ostracized. Well, what if they were a partner in the family business? They could easily be disinherited. We know that what was true in the first century is if you embrace Christ, you are outside the circle of social prominence. And so certainly, these early believers were despised, possibly put in financial difficulty. And so James is writing to poor Christians who are being oppressed by society, they were really, really suffering. And yet James says to them, and he says to us, something very unusual. He says they should boast. Now what a strange reaction. What an unusual request. Uh, To boast means to take pride in something. It has the idea of being triumphant in life. A person who boasts is positive, they're confident, they see themselves as overcoming, not being defeated. And we have to ask ourselves this question, how can a poor, downtrodden, suffering person have this kind of attitude? Well, I think we know as we look at the context here of James chapter 1 that the answer is we know our God. We know that He's good. We know that He's loving. We know that He is for us, not against us, no matter what the situation. Uh, This week I read about a woman who was trapped in her home during a hurricane And as the hurricane was destroying her house, she hid in a closet underneath the stairs. She survived. And a reporter later asked her, what did you do while your house was collapsing all around you? And this is what she said, all we could do is pray. All we could do is pray. It's interesting how James tells us earlier that that's what we should do. Listen to verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Do you see the kind of God that we have? He's wise, he makes no mistakes. He is a God that is generous, he's good. And He never reproaches us when we come in our times of need asking for help. He never turns us away. He is a God who is for us. He is never against us, no matter what may be happening. And when we know that kind of a God, what a security it gives, what a peace it gives. No matter what is happening all around us, we have a foundation where we can stand and trust that kind of God. Now, as James continues to encourage us in the midst of tragedy, the second truth that he shares with us is that we know, as believers, that we have the true riches, We know that we have been given by the Lord the true riches, and those riches will never be taken away from us. It's interesting here in verse 9 when he describes our exaltation, that's a word that actually refers to heaven. And we know what the Bible says, that every believer has been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. God has given to us all that we need in salvation and the indwelling Holy Spirit for life and for godliness. And these blessings, they originate from heaven. They're not earthly. They don't come from material means. They're the result of us being in Christ by faith in Him. And so think about what this means. No matter how much we may lose in this world, we know the true riches, the things that are the most valuable, we can never lose. Think about this. If we're hungry, what do we know? Well, we still have the bread of life. If we're thirsty, what do we know is true about us? Well, we know that rivers of living water are flowing from our inmost being. If we are poor, we know that in God we are rich through Jesus Christ. And if we're ridiculed by people, well, we take great comfort that we are esteemed by God. And if our earthly house is destroyed in a hurricane, we know that we have a glorious home in heaven." And the person who perceives these wonderful things will be able to face loss and suffering with an inner calm, a confidence, a settled joy that is not disturbed by what is happening around us, and a trust in God that makes us stable in great times of tragedy. Well, James continues, and he shares with us a third truth that is enabling us to live by faith when tragedy comes. And that third truth is this. As believers, we know that misfortune is often our best teacher. Think about that. In the times when things are really difficult and really hard. It is in those times that we often learn the most what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so those very difficulties become our best teacher. In verse 10, James turns from the poor Christian to the rich Christian and listen to what he says. And the rich Christian should boast in his humiliation. Some of those early believers were rich, weren't they? We know that Nicodemus, a member of the Sanhedrin, was very likely rich. We know that Joseph of Arimathea was rich because he took the body of the Lord Jesus and buried it in his own tomb that he was wealthy enough to afford. When James here describes the humiliation of these rich believers, he's probably talking about them being brought low by trials. God had allowed them to be humbled in the things that had happened. When many Jewish people that were rich became believers, they lost their wealth in persecution. The book of Hebrews talks about how some of them were sent to prison. Others had their property plundered. What could be more debasing and through no fault of your own to be sent off to prison, and then while you are there, your property is being looted and ravaged. They were humiliated by severe trials. And yet, what does James say to them? He says, boast in your humiliation. And we just got to look at that and say, why? How do you do this? Well one of the things that we know is true is this, when we lose the least valuable, we still have the most valuable, don't we? Uh, Even in earthly things, we know that. If we've lost something and maybe it wasn't the most important thing we owned, we might feel bad about that, but we'll say to other people, well, it wasn't the most important thing I have, I still have that. And think about that spiritually, it's in a much greater way when we lose things that we know to begin with are earthly and temporary, as a believer, we can say, I have the greatest value, the spiritual things, and I know those things can never be taken from me. You know, the Bible tells us that it's not wrong to be wealthy, but the Bible does warn about the deceitfulness of riches. You remember what Jesus said? He said, don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth where moth and rust decay and thieves break through and steal. The Bible says that material things are not the things that give inner and lasting satisfaction and we know those things can never match the value of the spiritual riches we have been given. You know every year at Christmas time my wife and I like to watch some of the classic Christian move or Christmas movies and one that we always watch every year is It's a Wonderful Life. And one of the things I like about that movie is when you get to the very end you don't have to guess what the message is. A lot of movies you watch, and you kind of scratch your head, and you say, well, I wonder what the point of that movie is. But It's a Wonderful Life tells you at the very end what the message of the movie is. And the message is this. No man's a failure who has friends. But when did George Bailey learn that? Well, he learned it only when he lost everything. You see, throughout his life, he saw himself as a loser, Many times he said, I'm stuck in this crummy town. And he felt like he was frittering his life away while his friends were out doing great things and seeing great places. But in his greatest crisis, he saw how rich he was. He was rich in friends. And why did he have so many friends? Because he had invested his life in them. He had given himself to a much greater cause than himself to blessing the lives of those in that town. And because he did, he was rich with friends. Well, a similar point is being made here. But it's even a greater point. You see, when as Christians we are humiliated by trials, what we learn is what is spiritually valuable Our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, living for Him, and making a difference in the lives of those around us, a difference that simply will not last for time, but will last for eternity in heaven. And that's actually the last truth that James shares to encourage us with. Finally, he says, as believers, we know only the eternal ultimately will last. Only that which has been given to us in Christ is ultimately going to last, and that's what we are living for. Listen to what James says again in verse 10. He says, because like a flower of the grass, the rich person will pass away. Pass away means to come to an end, to disappear. So the Bible is telling us here that riches are temporary. And rich people will pass away, leaving it all behind, just like poor people do. I want you to notice how James describes this process so common in the Middle East. Look at verse 11. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes. Notice uh, this, uh, uh, stages that uh, ultimately lead downward, downward, downward. Uh, Number one, the sun rises with its burning heat. Number two, the grass is dried out and withers. Number three, the flower in the field falls off. And number four, the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. Who hasn't seen this? As we've watched a beautiful flower begin to fade, and then it wilts, and then its petals fall, and ultimately it is thrown away. And so James draws the application in verse 11. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Fade away, that's the key. It was used not only of withering plants but also of the death of people. Rich people will die, and they will face the scorching heat of God's eternal judgment. But for those of us who are Christians, if we are rich in Christ, and we are, and we are rich in good deeds, we have an eternal heaven that we are awaiting. We have wonderful rewards, great rewards that will be given to us that will never ever pass away. That's who we are living for. And that's what we're living for. During his lifetime as a very, very famous and well-known evangelist, Billy Graham had many experiences where this truth was uh, driven home to him, uh, sometimes in tragic ways and other times in wonderful ways. And let me share a couple of those with you because they really drive home the application of what God's Word is teaching us. Billy Graham said one day he was waiting to appear on a TV talk show. And with him waiting to appear as well was one of America's most famous personalities. And while they were waiting, she told him of the emptiness in her life. This is what she said. My beauty is gone. I'm getting old. I'm living on alcohol. And I really have nothing to live for. And Billy Graham said that emptiness is typical of thousands of men and women throughout the world. But think about what the Bible says about believers. It says, if we know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, we are filled with the fullness of God think about that to know jesus christ is to experience his love and his love is so great it surpasses knowledge and on a daily basis we can be filled with the fullness of god and that never leaves us empty and then billy graham also in his autobiography talked about being on an island in the caribbean with his wife ruth On that island was one of the richest men in the world and one day he invited them to lunch at his lavish home. He was 75 years of age and during the meal he was close to tears the entire time. This is what he said, "'I'm the most miserable man in the world. Out there is my yacht and I can go anywhere I want.' I have my plane, I have my helicopters, I have everything I want to make me happy, yet I'm as miserable as hell. The Grahams talked with him and prayed with him. They pointed him to Christ who alone is able to give satisfaction and meaning in life. And then they left and went to the little cottage where they were staying. That afternoon, another 75-year-old man came to see them, an Englishman who was pastor of a local Baptist church. As he visited with them, they realized he was a widower, He spent most of his time caring for his two invalid sisters. Yet he was filled with enthusiasm, love for Christ, and for others. And with a smile on his face, he said, I don't have two pounds to my name, but I'm the happiest man on this island. As he left, Billy Graham turned to his wife Ruth, and he said, Who do you think is the richer man. Well, we know, don't we? We know. And why do we know? Well, we know because we believe and understand what the Bible says. Eye has not seen, neither has ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. That's our foundation. That's our anchor. That's the place upon which we stand so that no matter what is happening all around us, we trust Him. We love Him. We serve Him. Let's just bow together, shall we? And let's thank Him. Lord Jesus, You truly are all in all to us. You are the pearl of great price. You're the hidden treasure, which when a man found hidden in the earth, he sold everything that he had to buy that piece of property over the joy of finding that hidden treasure. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are sufficient and you are adequate. And even when we are in grief, even when our heart is breaking, even when we've lost the things that are the most dear to us in this life, we know that in the Lord Jesus we are overcomers. We know the things that are the most valuable can never be taken from us. And we rejoice today that it is true that in the Lord Jesus we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And therefore, we are walking with you. We are experiencing your love, your goodness, your care, and your great meaning in living. Help us to invest our lives in those things that we know that will last. Help us in these days as we are reminded of the things that are temporary and threaten us to focus on the things that have been granted to us because of our union in Christ. And may we invest in the lives around us, pointing the way by our love and our attitudes and our peace and our trust in you, that those we love may find you as Lord and Savior as we have as well. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness. We give you thanks for Jesus' wonderful sake. Amen.